What is going on everyone? Anthony Drew Gary here, host of The How To Show, where we talk about optimizing life, money, and happiness, one how-to at a time. This week's episode of The How To Show is centered around how to pay less in taxes, and everything we're gonna talk about today is completely legal. When you're thinking about your finances, it's important to know how the tax rules work, or at least to have someone in your corner who does, so you know what your options are. This video is gonna come out at the end of January, and so most Americans who work a W-2 job either have or will soon receive their W-2 documents, and that'll allow people to file their taxes between now and tax day, which is April 15th. Some people file their taxes themselves, some use a software, some use an accountant, and all of those options are viable for certain people, but I think it's fair to assume that every year there's a percentage of tax filers who are surprised about their tax returns one way or the other. Either they're surprised that they're getting a refund or they're surprised that they are having to owe in taxes. I myself am not a tax expert, so we're going to have another guest star on the How To Show this week. Natalie Kalati runs Kalati Tax and Consulting, and I've been working with Natalie for a couple of years now, and I'm happy to have her on her show to, to talk in depth a little more about how these, these different situations work and how they can be a benefit to you. So without further ado, let's welcome Natalie. Natalie, welcome to the How To Show. How are you? Good, Anthony. How are you? It's fantastic today. Thanks. So I preluded a little bit to the fact that the tax system is complex and knowing the rules is a definite advantage. If you have somebody in your corner or even if you have a generalized idea of them on your own, they can make life easier for you. And maybe you'll even pay a little bit less in taxes based on some strategies you have. So from a, a real high level, let's talk about how the tax system works and, and how, how it affects people who have typical W-2 income. Yeah, so this is one of the biggest misunderstandings with our tax system. I think we've all heard from a family member or a friend who comes in and they say, oh, you know, I was offered a promotion at work, but I don't want to take it because I don't want to get bumped into the next tax bracket. Um, people seem to have this thought that if you earn that much more money, now you're suddenly paying so much in tax, it won't be worth it. And that is not the case. So the way our tax system works is actually a tiered system. So if you're in a 10% tax bracket and say that goes up to $10,000 and then you make $10,005, suddenly all $10,005 isn't taxed at that next rate, only that $5 is. So it's important to keep in mind that even if some of your income goes into that next bracket, only that little portion is gonna pay that next rate of tax, the bulk of your income is still at the bracket you're mostly held in. So it doesn't suddenly tax you twice as much or cost you, like don't turn down a promotion because you're worried about the next bracket. Absolutely. That is great advice for the how-to show and anyone listening, do not turn down a promotion. <laughs> Heard it here first. So yep, when, when we start to think about our taxes, our, our gross wages is probably the top of the line and, and things start to trickle from there. Is, is that, am I right there? Yeah, and there's kind of a couple ways to think about it. Um, on the paycheck to paycheck level, you'll get your paycheck and a bunch of it'll be missing. <laughs> so that is some of your federal tax you're paying in. We also have 
um, payroll taxes. So you pay some for Medicare, Social Security, all these different things come out from your gross wages. So the amount you put in your pocket is already reduced by those. And then when you report on your taxes, we're going to start with that gross number and then we're going to back out some other items from that for tax purposes. Okay, so we're gonna back some items out. What kind of items are we backing out? How do we do that in a way that makes somebody like me who doesn't understand how to do that on paper, what are we looking for in there? Yeah, so the first thing we look at are your adjustments. So you'll hear this phrase, your adjusted gross income. It's an important number to know and to be able to find on your tax return and to know what it means. Because um, this is something lenders look at. This is something that um, kind of impacts you with different limitations. So you start with your gross income, and then we get to deduct out several adjustments. So these adjustments are a handful of things that we get to just take off right off the top before we do any other calculations. So educator expenses, if someone is a teacher, you get to deduct 250 or 500 if you're both teachers for that. IRA deduction, so if you contribute to a tr traditional IRA, you get to take a deduction for that. That goes in that same adjustments category. This is where your student loan interest comes off. HSA, so if you contribute to a health savings account, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, but any of these first things here get taken right off the top. There's a couple others um, related to being self-employed. If you pay for health insurance while you're self-employed, or if you pay for a retirement account while you're self-employed. But for the regular person, think about your student loan interest, your educator expenses, your IRA deductions, your HSA. That's the most common. Okay. So, so let, let's paint a scenario. Let's say that somebody works uh, in, in some sort of setting. They make maybe $50,000 and, and that's their gross. You're starting to tell me that these different items that you're talking about will make the amount of taxes they pay effectively less than that whole $50,000, right? So what it's going to do, and this is kind of important to keep in mind, because the adjustments, the deductions, and the credits are going to calculate differently. Okay. So it, it will ultimately impact the amount of tax they pay, but it's not a dollar for dollar. So what it means is it's going to reduce the income that the tax is calculated on. It's not going to directly reduce the tax $1 for each dollar of the adjustment. Sure, that, that makes sense. And we can we can dive a little deeper into some of those different <laughs> different topics as we go on. So I, as, as I understand it, the, the federal government, at, at least at a high level, offers some level of deduction on their own. Am I, am I speaking correctly on that? Yeah, so this is one of those, those items that just got overhauled with that Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that came out last year. There was a bunch of changes, but one of the big ones was we used to have exemptions, which was sort of a, a weird little freebie deduction. Every single person was assigned. They got rid of that to simplify it. And what they did instead was after you get to that adjusted income, you then get to deduct from that either a standard deduction, that's sort of the government's standard one size fits all, take this amount, or you can itemize your deductions. So what they did was when they got rid of exemptions, they doubled that standard deduction so that more people could just qualify for that, simplify their taxes, not have to add up all the little items. So for this year, the standard deduction is $12,000 if you're single or $24,000 if you're married. So between that or the itemized, which we can go over in a second here, which is an assortment, you get whichever is higher. So you get to add up all your individual little itemized deductions and see if that's more than 12 or 24. 
and you get whichever one is going to give you a better better benefit. Okay, so if, if we go back to that scenario where somebody's making $50,000 and let's say they're single to make things easy, they, they have access to that, that $12,000 deduction and so their, their net taxable would be the, the 38 that's remaining. Do I, do I have that right? Yep, exactly. Okay. Or the alternative would be if that person also owned a home and say they live somewhere with high property taxes. So they could take the 12, but if the total of their itemized deductions is 14 or 20 or anything above 12, that's what they'll get. So you get whichever one gives you the better, greater deduction. And it makes a lot of sense. And it's a good spot to segue into the fact that almost everything we're talking about today is very specific to an individual. And so there's no one size fits all solution. And so somebody like you, Natalie, who works with customers, you probably have a disclaimer that, that everybody needs to, to talk about situations specific to them. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, that's what it comes down to with taxes. Nine times out of 10, when you ask your accountant a question, the answer will be, it depends because everything's different, which is why getting your tax advice from like Facebook is really, really frustrating because what someone is telling you, they swear, save them $10,000 can cost you 20. So make sure you talk to a professional about your specific circumstance. Absolutely. So we, we've talked about deductions and the two different categories there. Let, let's talk about credits a little, little bit because you mentioned three main categories. I think it was deductions, credits, and go ahead and go ahead and run with that. Yep. And adjustments. So um, before we move into the credits with the deductions, the ones that you do get to itemize, so kind of to just summarize on what those would be. Sure. Um, the big ones for that are your mortgage interest and your real estate taxes. Those are kind of the two big guys that tend to get you over that $12,000 hump. If you don't own a house, there's a good chance you won't meet those, that you'll just take that standard amount. Um, if you do though, so if you're in a position where you, you know that your mortgage interest, you live somewhere with really high property taxes, you know you're gonna get to itemize, there's a few things you can do to help save money that a lot of people miss. So some of the kind of commonly missed itemized deductions, these are others you'll get to add up. So the more you get, the better. Um, one big one is charity, right? So anything you donate, you literally write a check for, you get to deduct that. If you donate clothes and household items to Goodwill, that's also deductible and there's a limit on that. Something that I see a lot of people miss is charitable mileage. So if you do any kind of um, you know, food pantry or drop off items for your church or do anything where you're driving for charity, um, you get to deduct a certain amount per mile related to that. I think it's about 40 cents a mile, but it changes every year. So keep track of your miles you drive for your charity too, because that's another one that's often missed that you can use to add up your itemized deductions. Got it. And so these itemized deductions, these are specific to people who itemize their taxes, right? So people, people who have, have standard deduction won't, won't necessarily get to double dip on them, right? Correct. So that's kind of the, the downside to having the standard deduction be so much higher now is there's a lot of people who don't get to itemize. And so that sounds like, what's the big deal? But a lot of people, you know, buying their first home, part of the kind of benefit was the extra tax benefits. And so now you don't get that extra benefit. You're still getting a greater deduction, but there's no direct correlation. You know, you might pay the same amount or have the same deduction, whether you rent or buy. So it gives you kind of a little more leeway in terms of um, making those choices. That makes sense. And again, this is the, 
the great reason why you need to have somebody like Natalie in your corner just to make sure that you're getting all of these things right because it's it's possible that this varies year to year you know life is long and it changes often and so you need to make sure that you're you're getting these right each and every year to to make sure that you're keeping your taxes as low as you can yep absolutely so those are kind of the the deductions like we said you get one or the other um Either way, start off by kind of those big ticket items, the mortgage interest and taxes. If you're not even close to 12,000, I wouldn't bother counting all the little things. <laughs> Save your time. So, so that, that tees off to the, the deductions itemized uh, versus standards. So mm -hmm. let, let's talk a little bit more about credits. Yeah, so credits are great. So like we said earlier, the deductions reduce your actual income. So instead of having the 50,000, we got dropped down to 38 and then the tax is calculated on that amount. Once the tax is calculated and say it turns out you owe $12,000 of tax, a credit is a dollar for dollar reduction of the tax owed, not of your income. So credits are really fantastic because they have a much higher impact on the amount you owe. So they can really take you a lot farther. Sure. So talk to me about common common credits. What's, what's something that the in practical life, what's that look like? Yeah, so one that you hear about a lot is the earned income tax credit. And this is basically a credit for kind of lower income earners. So it goes up the more children you have. So um, starting from one up to I think four is where it maxes out. And if your income is under 55,000. So that's a pretty good credit. And that's where um, when you hear people getting these huge refunds, this is normally the credit that does it because it's totally refundable. So they can actually get a refund for the full value of it. So if your adjusted gross income is under 55,000 and if you have children, this is a credit worth talking to your tax professional or double checking to see if you can get. Got it. And so, so for, for people that might not qualify for that, who still have children, is, is there still something in the way of, of tax credit for children? I've I've heard the joke before that I, I recently had a child. I think it was even you that made the joke. Yep. Congratulations on your new tax exemption. Yep, yep. So there is a child tax credit and this actually got better this year. So this is now $2,000 per child. So that's a pretty, like we said, cause it's a direct reduction of your tax. So it's literally like your little baby comes along with a little baby sword and slashes $2,000 right off your tax bill. So the more kids you have, you get $2,000 for each child. Um, so that's fantastic. So if you're, um, have a big family, got 10 kids, you've got a really good deduction, <laughs> really good tax credit. Well, fantastic. Then there's another we're, we're credit. At, we're now. at one for now. So we'll, yeah. we'll see what that looks like in future years. <laughs> we'll do your tax planning accordingly for the children. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, let's, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about things, uh, that, that may be important to people as they start considering, you know, their, their work situations. Like for example, I, I have a day job. I have a 401k that I can contribute to. How does that actually work relative to the amount I'm saving? And, and more importantly, what does it do to my, my taxes at the end of the year? Yeah. So any of these plans offered by your employer, the benefit is that it's pre-tax income in most cases. So this means you get to reduce your your taxable income. So if you had started with 50,000 and you put 5,000 into a 401k, now you're only taxed on 45. So we're getting to take some of your income, put it into these retirement accounts where it'll get invested, it'll grow over the years, you can't touch it till you're older. But the current value is that we get to, that reduces your W-2 income, it reduces the amount you're taxed on. 
So you get to earn more. You can't take it home and use it to buy a sports car, but you can put it away for retirement. So that's kind of the incentive they give you um, is by having that be tax-free at this point. Got it. So let, let's talk a little bit more about that scenario with that, that person earning $50,000. And let's say that somehow at the end of their, their tax filing, they owe $500. So if, if all other things were equal, it sounds like the following year, if that person were to contribute more to their 401k, they could be in a situation where they wouldn't owe that 500 next year by way of paying their future self instead of paying the government. Absolutely. And that's something to look at because there are a lot of um, kind of piggybacked calculations with tax. So there's a lot of like some of the credits we talked about, like they have an income limit. So you might be over that income limit by just a few thousand dollars, or you might owe just by being over by a few thousand dollars. So there are cases where, you know, if we fund a 401k or put $2,000 into an HSA, now we can go from owing to getting a refund or putting that $2,000 into an HSA might qualify you for a credit that gets you $4,000 back. So that's kind of the benefit of what a tax professional should offer you is being able to sort of tinker with these numbers to figure out this perfect point where, you know, it costs you this much by setting this money aside, but it'll get you back this much in tax savings or in a qualifying credit or something like that. Absolutely. All good things to think about when you're considering your overall plan. And it's not as simple as maybe just filling out the, the, the forms when you get hired to determine how much of your paycheck's going to be taken out for taxes. There are other things here that you can push and pull, and I think it's important that we're running through them. You mentioned HSA. Talk to me more about that. What's, what's that? So an HSA is a health savings account, and there's two versions. You can get it for a single person, or you can have them for a family, and a lot of employers offer them. So the amount changes every year. Right now it's 3,500 for a single person, for a single account. So that means you can put $3,500 a year into this account. Again, it's gonna lower your taxable income and then you can use that income, that funded account for any qualifying medical expenses. So if you have co-pays or you have something your insurance doesn't cover or anything like that, you pay for some glasses, you can use your HSA to pay for that and you get to do that with tax-free money. So that's a huge advantage. Yeah, it definitely. It essentially cuts your, your healthcare expenses by whatever your tax rate is then, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like giving yourself a little raise. Yeah. And so, so talk to me about this. Is anyone eligible for an HSA or do you have to meet specific requirements to, to have one? So with any of the retirement accounts, there can be kind of limitations based on your income level or based on if your spouse has one. So what I would recommend is that we go ahead and I'll send you some links to put into the comments for the video okay. so that people can kind of see where they fall and see what limitation because there's so many that can come into play that I don't want to put out a generalization and have someone leave an angry YouTube comment later. So we'll put the exact amounts down in the comments. Yeah, so with the HSA, there are a few requirements, so you can't just kind of create one out of thin air. It is something that your employer has to have kind of offered to you, and like we said, there's they can offer it as kind of an individual plan or a family plan, and they have to be set up that way. They're set up through an outside account, so talk to your specific employer and your HR department and see if that's something that you're able to fund to help. Awesome. That's great advice. So we've talked about 401ks, we've talked talked about HSAs. You mentioned IRAs a little bit. Let's let's not get too too heavy in the alphabet <laughs> soup. Let's make sure that we understand that these are all different things. 
Yep. Let's dive deeper into to the IRA. So kind of the thousand foot view on IRAs is there's two main types. You'll hear about a Roth and you'll hear about a traditional. So a traditional IRA gets you a tax deduction for funding it because you are putting in pre-tax money. So you get to put that into the traditional IRA. With a Roth, you're doing the opposite. So with your Roth IRA, the benefit is that you pay the tax on the front end. So the theory is that we're at a lower bracket now, so you don't have to worry about it later when it's gone up. Got it. That, that makes sense. And so there's, there's a lot of options at play here, <laughs> a lot of different things you can do. So when we start to stack all of these different things together, it, it could really paint a picture where somebody, you know, in that, again, that $50,000 example, if you're getting 12,000 knocked off of that right off of the top because the government gives it to you, and you could put as much as I think 19 plus, mm -hmm. plus five, or excuse me, 19 plus six is another 25. And now obviously it might be hard to live on if you start to put too much of this money away, but you could effectively make your tax rate really, really low just by knowing the rules and starting to manipulate how you save your money. Yep. And then there's some kind of, so these are all, we're talking about things at sort of the federal level, your federal taxes. And a lot of that the state piggybacks on. So it's kind of a similar taxation, but there are some things the state and local offer that federal doesn't. So a good example of that is a 529 plan, which is a, um, it's an education savings plan. So a lot of people set these up for their children and federal, you don't get a credit for that, but a lot of states are offering a really good credit. So basically you can kind of pay yourself to go to college because you're putting money in there, which is tax-free money that you then use for school. And then the state's going to turn around and give you a credit back for doing that. So there's things like that that are always worth looking at. Um, anything that's kind of free money and going to be an incentive from the government in some way, count that in on your sort of tax reduction savings plan. Absolutely. Another, yeah, good thing to look into. Sorry, before I, <laughs> I just thought of this and it's something I see missed a lot is a lot of states will also offer if you are a new home buyer, many states have a tax credit against your mortgage interest paid. Okay. So if you're a new home buyer, that first year you pay your mortgage interest, a lot of states will say, hey, good job buying a house, you know, staying locally in our state, here's a $2,000 credit. So always check stuff like that. Just Google your state and your county and see if they're offering anything on top that will just kind of help you out a little bit more. Yeah, it sounds like another situation where if you know the rules, you're gonna just be a little bit farther ahead and you can make them fit to your advantage just based on, on knowing what, uh, what your options are. Yeah, I talked absolutely. a little bit about the 529 in my uh, my How to Pay for College series. And so mm -hmm. off the top of my head, I believe it's something like 41 or 42 states do some sort of credit for that the 529. So yeah, and some that? of them are really good. Like I think it's New York does like a 10,000. It's like a huge credit. And I think where you are, it's a few thousand, but it varies. But anywhere giving you free money for something you're already spending money on, take it. <laughs> that is absolutely right. Yep. And so, so with all of these things that we talked about, you can really start to see how uh, a tax bill at the end of the year this year could very easily not be a tax bill in a future year just by pushing and pulling the, the information that you have and working with a professional to make sure that you, that you can use the best of, of your strategy in your situation to maximize your results. Yep, absolutely. And two things to mention too are 
kind of keep an eye on your taxes through the year. You know, a lot of people just fill out their W-4 at the beginning and set it and forget it. Um, they just changed the W-4. So I don't know if you guys have seen this yet. It's a little bit crazy. They made it like a little tax return kind of. So instead of just picking a number and it takes an amount, they're asking more questions. And the purpose is to try to more accurately withhold so you can keep more of your money check to check. So take a look at that new form and see if that'll kind of help you. And then the IRS also has a withholding calculator. So halfway through the year, take your most recent pay stubs and put them into that withholding calculator and see where things are. You might be in a position to put more into a retirement account than you think, or you might have a greater refund than you think. It's good to just sort of check in on your circumstance. Yeah, that, that's great advice. I know in past years in my own situation, I've, I've both ended up with refunds and ended up having to pay. And so if, if I would have maybe ha pulled my, my head out of the sand a little earlier in the year, maybe I would have been in a situation where I knew what I was getting myself into come tax time. So that's yeah, really good. And there's some people who like the refund, but it's up to you if that's a, like a good way of saving for you save. <laughs> but really, you're just loaning your money to the government. So if you have a way where you can adjust it and have that money through the year, then if you're getting it each paycheck, instead of all at once in April, you can put it into a savings account that'll earn you money or something. There might be a better use for it. So just kind of know there's two ways to, to go about that. Yeah, definitely. And so there have been a lot of actionable tips in this episode. Uh, Natalie, I thank you for, for joining me on the show. But before we we exit tell me and tell the audience is there a way to, to learn more about you or to, to connect with you yeah so i own kaladi tax and consulting and i specialize in real estate investing so if you're looking at making real estate kind of a part of your financial future um absolutely reach out my website is www.kolotax.com awesome natalie i appreciate you joining me on the how-to show today it's been a pleasure yeah thanks for having me anthony Alrighty. Special thanks to Natalie for joining me on this episode of the show. The tax law is complex and we didn't even scratch the surface of some of the options that are available to people, especially options that tie into real estate somehow. So I look forward to having Natalie back on the show for future episodes so that we can dive deeper into a passion of hers and a passion of mine, which is investing in real estate. I hope you learned something in today's episode and hopefully there were some actionable tips that you could take away to improve your life. If you did, leave me a comment and let me know what that was. I love reading that. And please, if you haven't already, you know it's not too late to smash that like button. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe as well so that you can be the first to know about new content. You can hit the notification bell and you'll get an email about it or it'll show up on your, your YouTube homepage. If you have an idea for a future video for the how-to show, please leave me a comment about that as well. I love reading those. Until next time, this is Anthony Drew Gary, host of the How-To Show, signing off.